Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 2019 TED Talk, We Don't Move On From Grief, We Move Forward With It. Uh, speaker uh, Nori McInerney. Um, so again, this is a TED Talk. I, I'm making an executive decision today to consider a TED Talk a film. It's my podcast. I get to make the rules. And the rule today is a TED Talk will be considered a film. Uh, joining us today to talk about many of the um, themes uh, addressed in this film, aka TED Talk, uh, Jennifer Ramirez, uh, co-founder of Joyful Like Maggie. Um, Jennifer, thank you for being here today. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate that. Now, um, I do want to mention a couple of resources up front. For, um, there is a crisis text line available. Uh, for those who need to reach out to, um, to, to someone to, to talk with, there is a text line in the U.S. You can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. In the U.K., you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Depending upon where you are in the world, uh, check your local listings. Um, Jennifer, thank you for uh, being here today. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to uh, to talk about this, um, as strange uh, as that might sound. <laughs> just, just, no. um, one thing I, I wanted to mention, and, and, and you know this already because you've, um, you, you've been the, the um, recipient of many of my frustrations, not, 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 not frustrations towards you, but um, the, it correct. has been <laughs> a, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, so I, I wanted to, to clarify, though, that, uh, again, I'm very, very happy that you're on here today, very, very happy. Um, I have been asking and asking and asking and asking and asking forever, well, well not forever, technically for however long the podcast has been on, for more Catholic, evangelical, faith, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, faith-based guests. And it has been a challenge. It's been like, like pulling teeth. And uh, so I reached out to- I reached you know, out. It surprises me. It's, a, it's almost like we don't like talking about mental health or something. <laughs> I'm not really sure what the issue is, but I know when you reached out to me, I was just like, wow, that's a great idea. I mean, he wants to hear from a Catholic. I love talking. This is going to be a great, a great combination here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, yeah. And I don't know what the objection and, and I'm fine if, if people um, who I'm reaching out to do not want, you know, that's fine. I, I per, I'm perfectly happy with whatever, um, because I, I have gotten a, a few no's from people who either because it didn't work out schedule wise or they just didn't have the interest or they, they hate the concept of what I'm doing with the podcast. So, so that's fine. Yeah. But still the, the level, the amount of invitations to responses ratio is just mind blowing as far as how many people I've reached out to, how many responses I've got. And it's like in the single digit literally in the single so strange. do you it think is. it's because it's a secular podcast like do you feel like that's part of the holdup um honestly i think that may be part of the objection i think honestly that, that i i would say yes <laughs> i think there is a tendency to 
associate primarily in evangelical only circles or, or Catholic only circles. Stay close and to the people that you know. Exactly. I, I see that all the time, even with, with, with music, with a lot of CCM music where, and obviously everybody at this point knows who Amy Grant is, or I, I would hope most people know who Amy Grant is uh, <laughs> as an example, but there's a number of different examples now, today in 2021, where the record label or whoever uh, decides, okay, this, this artist, we're going to have this artist only be on CCM. We're not going to promote mm -hmm. this artist to you know, regular radio stations, we're just going to, like Kirk, Kirk Franklin, for example. Um, I think more people know who he is because I think Kanye West or Chance the Rapper recorded some stuff with him. So I think more people know who, who he is, for example. Uh, Mandisa, um, I can go on and on, all these different examples. And it's like, that's one example, which goes on all the time with CCM. So I think, to answer your question, I think, yes, I think the fact that I'm engaging with various people, various backgrounds, because when you're talking about mental illness and, and mental health issues, that if, that can affect everyone, you know, black, white. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, Catholic, atheist, Jewish, you know, whatever. It, it, across the board, black, white, blue, green, you know, wherever you live, whether it's the US, whether it's Mexico, whether it's wherever you live, this is a very universal topic, a very universal concept. So I do think there may be some objection to this being a secular podcast and me not having the luxury of playing favorites as far as if someone wants to come on and talk about bipolar disorder, if someone wants to come on and talk about, um, you know, whatever, you know, fill in the blank mm -hmm. and someone takes exception with me having a guest on or talking about a topic. I think that may have something to do with it. I, I, I'm only thinking out loud. I don't know if that's the reason why. Um, but it has been it has been a challenge. I think that 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 makes sense. I mean, I think for myself, the way that I've looked at it is that um, you, my daughter, loved everybody. She was very very joyful, the light of our family. She was an amazing kid, and she did not show um, preference for one person above another. Even though we raised her as a Catholic, like we go to mass every Sunday, we pray a litany of saints every night, we read the daily readings, you know, we did all sorts of religious activities as a family, we volunteered at our local parish, um, and we're very highly involved, but she, you know, and I, and I believe rightly so, was so much like Christ to me and to our family that I, you know, I really, I want to be like her because I see Christ in her. And so, you know, the one thing that I ask you when I've had other people say, hey, you know, but this is secular. So I don't know if you want to be interviewed or talk. I'm like, look, number one, if I feel that what I have is something that's worth talking about, then I should be willing to discuss it with anyone who's interested in listening. Right. Mm -hmm. And number two, there's just there's nothing that should 
there's nothing that should stop me from talking about my faith or my own lived experience. I wouldn't stop someone else from talking about theirs either. So the only thing I've told people is like, look, I'm super open about my faith. As long as you're okay with that, I'm, I'm great. Like that's not a problem. Um, so I'm really grateful to be on here. Thank you so much. And hopefully we can get some more Catholics your way. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and I, and I just want to underscore what you're stating because I don't understand the apparent taboo or walking on eggshells with people talking about their, their faith mm-hmm. and what sustains them and what, and what helps them on, on, their, on their journey. Yes. Uh, there's often a very, um, like I said, walking on, on eggshells as far as people wanting to talk about what's in their heart and what's, you know, what they're thinking about. And there, there's often a fear of offending people. And I can assure you that for me, I don't understand how that is offensive. I, I, I just right. don't. <laughs> right. I know there's people who for a reason are agnostic or atheist or they just, you know, don't resonate right. with, um, and, and that's fine. That, that 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 that's fine but we can um, all still learn from each other exactly 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 and so uh, things like parity and in, in in healthcare where there's if you if you go to the doctor for tonsils or a broken bone that's treated one way if you go to the doctor for a panic attack or uh, medication uh, change that's treated a different way. So stuff like that, insurance parity, offends me. When people toss around the R word nonchalantly, when people will ascribe unlawful, uh, in many cases, criminal activity uh, to mental illness, mm-hmm. um, that's what I find offensive. But for, when people are speaking freely about their faith, when they mention uh, Jesus or the Bible or scripture or, or Mary or the rosary, I really don't find that, that that's pretty low on the offensive scale <laughs> right. to me. I mean, right. the things to get offended about, right. that's not even on my list of stuff to be offended about. Yes, absolutely. It's so funny. There was a little funny thing that happened to me yesterday. So I was out grocery shopping. See, Texas is about to get hit by a massive snowstorm, which means about six inches. And we're not prepared for this. We, it doesn't snow in my area. So, anyway, so I'm, I'm doing my normal grocery shopping yesterday. Everybody's going crazy. Stuff is flying off the shelves. And I'm like, well, it's going to be, there's going to be snow here for like two or three days. Surely it's not going to be that bad. Anyway, the guy is the guy at, um, at the checkout stand. Um, I have this chicken that I bought. And he's like, do you really, he's like, is it going to offend you if you don't have the bag that the chicken is wrapped in? And I said, no. <laughs> and I said, do people really get offended over that? And he said, you would be surprised. And I, I just looked at him, I said, you know, there's just such worse things that have happened to me in life. This is really low on the scale. Please yeah. take the bag off if it's bothering you or if it's in your way. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just so silly to me. But then I realized he was asking because he was trying to be polite to me. And because he had actually had people get upset when he took the bag off of their food that they were, you know, because he couldn't get to the barcode. And that just blows my mind. Like, I don't have time to be offended in those ways or to be upset over things that are really irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. So uh, anyway. Co- correct. And, and, and I said not, not to make light of, of those who, who may sincerely take um, exception to, to yes. some things, but at the end of the day, we're, 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 we're in a society where we've got 
suicide prevention hotlines that are being underfunded. And so when you're talking about that level of crisis, mm-hmm. not just in our, in our country, in, in our world, okay, do I place more emphasis on someone being offended or do I place more emphasis on active steps to prevent loss of, of, of life? Let's and take that so, energy and direct it into something where it where it really affects the whole grand scheme of things. Exactly, and and so like I said, so it's not to it's not to discount any anyone's feelings or but it's for me that's I don't I don't share priorities that a lot of people apparently do <laughs> do. Uh, do well, yeah, share. and I do want to I, I do want to preface everything that I say today with um, I absolutely understand that there are people who have been hurt by things that have happened in the Catholic Church. There are people who have been devastated. Um, there are there are many things that people have gone through where they they are no longer Catholic because of what's happened to them, or they're like, I will never be Catholic because of that. And I just wanted to state that I see that, and that pain is the, what you feel is a, it, that's okay for you to feel that way. You have been if you've been betrayed or hurt in any way, I absolutely see that and acknowledge it. And so this conversation about how much I love my faith is not at all intended to be a dismissal of people who have really suffered and have really gone through um, the things that, that have happened. So I just wanted to preface that. I appreciate that. Now, um, well, what um, what set you on, on, on your, your journey into this um, journey of, of um, healing and, and, and grief and um, what, 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 what set this um, in, in motion? Well, the very first thing that set this in motion was that my child died in my arms and it was the most devastating um, and most life-changing event that has ever happened to me um, besides the birth of that child. Um, You know, it's interesting because when I brought my children into the world, you know, there was a a lot of pain and suffering and childbirth is incredibly difficult. And um, it, but at the same time, it was so very beautiful. And uh, because you're bringing this new life into the world. And I remember feeling much of the same pain as I held my daughter when she left the world and thinking that I was birthing her into another life. Um, But it was one that I couldn't follow her on. I couldn't go with her. So I, I felt like in my heart that I went with her as far as I could. And then, and then I had to stop and wait for my time, uh, if that makes sense. But my daughter had a brain tumor that we did not know about. She is, I actually have seven children total. Um, Two of them are in heaven. Um, so my children are ages, well, my youngest just turned eight months and my oldest is 17. So they're all the ages in between those two. Um, and Maggie was, uh, 10 years old. It was 13 days before her 11th birthday when she died and she died May 6th of 2018. Um, but we all had a virus that, um, the whole family got, you know, with big families, you get a virus, it goes through and everybody's sick for several days. And, you know, some people are sick, some people are getting better. Mom is exhausted running between everybody. And, um, Maggie got sick the same day that my oldest daughter got sick. And so we just assumed that it was a virus. Um, but within, I would say five to seven days, she still wasn't hundred percent. She had lost some weight. She wasn't sleeping well. She was getting these random headaches and, we just, we, you know, we honestly thought she was really dehydrated and she was because she wasn't retaining fluids and things like that. Um, and I won't go into all the details, but we took her to the ER um, to get rehydrated. The doctor, you know, took our case. She said, you know, she, she looked at me, she said, mom, you know, sometimes when a virus hits the home, you just need some extra help. And they gave her nausea medication and 
sent us home. And I remember the nurse on the way out, he grabbed my arm and he said, Hey, and, and I, I guess he thought that maybe there was something wrong. And I, I don't know why he didn't say it out loud. I don't know if I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't know what his thought process was, but he grabbed my arm on the way out and he said, Hey, listen, if she's not better in a few days, why don't you run her on down to children's in Plano? And um, he said, they have other tests that they can run and they can, you know, they've just got other tests they can run that we don't have. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's weird if she has the same virus we do and she'll be fine. Um, and within a week she had started getting better. She was holding down foods, but she started sleeping a lot more and she still was just not at hundred percent. And she came into me, she told me she had a, a really bad headache. She was crying. And I said, you know what? I don't know what else to do. Let's get in the van. I'm going to take you down to children's. And it was on the way there that she actually, I didn't realize at the time was actively dying from her brain tumor. So, um, they ended up care flighting us into Dallas after everything happened at the hospital. And um, we, from the time, so from the time, like I remember, I remember running in behind on the care flight, you know, they ran with her down so many halls and opening doors and they were running as fast as they could with her. And um, I, I remember running up behind her stretcher as they wheeled her into a room and the doctor grabbed me and he said, are you the mom? And I said, yes. And he said, have you seen the brain tumor? And I'm like, brain tumor? I'm like, that's the first, you know, I hadn't heard that word. I had no idea she had a tumor. And I said, brain tumor? No, what are you talking about? And he turned the screen around and I just saw like my untrained eye. I had never even seen like a real scan of a brain, had never seen that in real life. And I was just like, oh, oh my God, like my daughter has a massive tumor. And he said, look, it's five to six centimeters. We have to do this life-saving surgery. And I remember him telling me, he's like, you know, if you, um, he, he was like trying to give me all this, all the things that could go wrong with the surgery. Cause I had to sign off on it. And I just put my hand up and I stopped him. I said, is there any other option? He said, no, this will save her life. I said, then hand me the paper. And I was actually looking at that paper the other day and for the very first time. And I saw where I had just scribbled as fast as I could. It's not even my normal signature. And, um, they rushed her off and did the surgery and, but they could never get her stabilized. The tumor had already taken over and by the time they found out what was going on, like it was just, it was just too late. And so we ended up letting her go the next day. But from the time we found out about the tumor until the time she died was just under 29 hours. So it was very, very fast. I mean, just so sudden and such a devastation to our family. And we had to take our children up there to see their sister and say goodbye. And, um, you know, obviously it's been, it's just been an absolute horror to be completely honest. It's been, our family has been devastated. But at the same time, there was something that happened in that hospital room. And um, I just, if I, if there were, if there have ever been any doubts that I've had about God and there absolutely have been, um, and I think we all go through that, no matter how faithful we are or how unfaithful, I don't know what the right word would be there. Um, yeah. Those doubts were extinguished in that hospital room. And I've told people, I'm like, look, I was like that in that hospital room, even though my daughter died and she didn't, she didn't live the way I wanted her to live. I, it was proven to me that God existed. And the, the reason that I know that is because of how me and my husband were able to respond to her death. I remember my husband standing over her after she died and he looked around the room at the family that the family that was there. And we had a few friends with us and he said, the devil waves a gun around with no bullets. And he said, the devil has no victory in this room today. He said, Jesus Christ has conquered the tomb. He has raised from the dead. And he is the one with all the victory today. And I'm like, what father says that standing over their, their child's dead body? How is that even possible to have that type of strength and that type of complete agony yet joy at the same time? Because we do believe in heaven and we do believe that that's the place that we're trying to reach. 
um, because this world doesn't really, it's not really that great here. Sometimes yeah. there's a lot of suffering yeah. that exists here. And, you know, and I think in a way, like, regardless of what faith we are, or where we're from, we all want that better, that better life. And, and I really believe that that's a longing and desire within us for what we were created for, which was heaven. Um, and I realize this may not convince people or anything like that, but that's my lived experience. Um, the way that I responded to my daughter's death, you know, I remember, I remember, you know, there was a pastor who came and he wanted, he was going to, my husband asked him to pray. And it was me and a bunch of guys. There was like 10 guys there and all my husband's friends. And we were standing outside of her room and my husband asked this pastor to pray for us. And he started praying and his voice just trailed off and he started to cry. And I just thought we were about to let her go is what was going on. And I just remember thinking, I was like, man, I'm like, somebody has to pray in this moment. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting for somebody else to, to do that. You know, one of these men that's standing there and I realized it wasn't going to happen. And so I just started praying out loud. And I remember telling God, I was like, thank you that my daughter gets to meet you today. Because I knew that this world didn't have anything to offer her. I knew that, that her life would, would, could be a life of suffering. And, And it doesn't mean that life is not worth living. I don't want anybody to get that wrong. Life is absolutely worth living. It's why I'm still here, even though my child died, because there is something worth living for in life. And we were created for life that I truly believe that, but the way that we responded to her death, just really just really reiterated to me and caused any doubts to vanquish that, you know, maybe there's not a God, maybe he doesn't exist. I'm like, man, there is no way that I by myself or my husband by himself could have ever responded that way. Well, first of all, I I did want to let you know, I I am very sorry for for your loss. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Now, whenever I say that, there's always a... And and I'll speak right to it. Um, There's always a a fear of not knowing what to say next, if if that that makes sense. Oh, it does. You look, I'm still the same way. I people all the time, they're they're like, I know so and so who lost their child. And then they like connect us. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't know what to say to you. And I've lost a child. It's just it's so devastating. And it's such a terrible thing to think about. Like when you really sit down and think about what happens in death. And then it's a little girl, you know, who had her whole life in front of her. You're just like, I don't know what to say. And I've told people, I'm like, look, it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, I don't know what to say. And I'm, and I just look at you and I say, you know what? Sometimes I don't know what to say either. And that's okay. It really is that awful. And so, and and then we leave it at that, that I think what really matters in, in any suffering, not just in grief, but in any suffering, what really matters is that you have people to walk with you. I have a very dear friend of mine. She's one of my closest friends and she has never lost a child. She doesn't know exactly what I'm feeling, but I can reach out to her and I can tell her how I feel. And she, she's like, man, that sucks. That's horrible. And that's what she tells me. And then, you know, like I told somebody yesterday and then she feeds me cake or brings me a coffee or, you know, she's trying to encourage me. She doesn't really know what to do or what to say, but she lets me know that really stinks. I'm here for you. You can say anything you want to me and I'm not going to judge you or leave you. And, you know, I asked her one time, I said, you know, what caused you to stick it out with me? Because it's been, it'll be three years, May 6th. I said, what caused you to stick it out with me? Because there were so many times that she would text me or call me. I didn't answer the phone or I couldn't remember to, you know, I saw her text come through and then I would forget because my long-term memory for like the first year was just completely gone. And, um, 
I said, what made you stick it out? I'm like, I'm, I've been a terrible friend. Like if we're like all things considered, I've given nothing to you and I've taken everything. And would you believe she quoted frozen too? She looked at me and she said, she said, my love is not fragile. And I just started bawling. And I'm like, first, I love Kristoff. Okay. <laughs> Second of all, look, I'm going to cry thinking about it. I'm like, how profound is that to have someone in your life who looks at you as like, my love is not fragile. There are no strings attached to this love. And that's what we should be doing for each other as human beings. We should look at each other and say, my love is not fragile. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Like, I, I'm not going to leave because you don't have the capability right now of reaching out to me and giving to me. I'm not here to get, to, to take. I'm here to give. And man, if we all treated each other like that, what absolutely. a better place this world would be. Absolutely. Um, now, on that point with, with the uh, Frozen thing. <laughs> I knew you would like one that. Of, <laughs> one, of, one of the drawbacks to doing <laughs> this podcast and I, I'm speaking. I, and I'm speaking as a film snob, an unabashed, un, unapologetic film snob. Yes. One of the drawbacks to that, which I am reminded of from time to time, is that my movie watching habits uh, skew more towards the independent art house foreign yes. type of movies. I have never seen Frozen. I have never Ooh. seen Frozen 2. <laughs> I have never seen Lilo and Stitch. Is it Lilo and Stitch or Lilo and Stitch? It's Lilo and Stitch, okay. yes. I've never seen Lilo and Stitch. That I, I still have to see Lilo and Stitch. I've never seen the... the um, so just down the list. So anyways, that I've just... I personally believe you can just skip right over Lilo and Stitch. I don't think it's that great, but look, I've probably seen on rerun about a hundred times, so it might just be my bias. <laughs> Yeah. So when I learned when I when I realized you were a film snob, I was like, "Oh no! All I've watched is cartoons for years." <laughs> so, so that's so, but that's that's on me. That's on me. That's that's, that's one. So, so with what you're you're sharing, that connects with I, I would imagine a majority of the listening audience to this podcast. Well, let's hope so. I, <laughs> and it's one of the things where, like I said, it, it's kind of that's on me. That's entirely on me. I'm so uh, where. <laughs> So that happens from time to time. Uh, I'll have a guest come on and they mention a movie that they're just, what, you haven't seen this movie? What is wrong with you? Okay, so takeaway from this entire podcast is everyone watch Frozen and Frozen 2, which by the way, I personally enjoyed Frozen more than Frozen 2, but yeah. Frozen has, has this great line from Kristoff and this guy is fantastic. So anyway, you definitely need to watch it. And I, I think, and again, retracing my steps, I think the reason I may not have seen it is, and if memory serves me correct, both of those movies came out around January, December, January, February timeframe, mm -hmm. which would have been the timeframe when you have the Oscar bait movies, when you have the year end type movies. So just thinking out loud, <laughs> it's possible that there may have been you know, some French film Oscar nominee that was playing and I chose to see that yeah. instead of Frozen. So that, that's just a theory as to why I made you stick with your theory. <laughs> I'm just, look at that. That's, that may be why. Um, <laughs> but, but with what you're, you're saying though, um, do you remember when, um, when that movie Seven came out, the, the one with um, that serial killer movie? Yes, the, I, yes. I don't remember when, when it came out, yeah. but I, I, I have watched yeah. it 
more than once. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned that because that movie in particular mm -hmm. had a very negative and a very nihilistic and cynical worldview of, of you know, oh, is life really worth living, you know, and, and so much pain and suffering. It just, it just reeked of it, which mm -hmm. for the storyline may or may not have been appropriate, but and I was just reminded of that when you were talking about the 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 the, the grief that you felt and, and and the life, you know, worth living and and you know working through the, those doubts about, um, you know, if it never and it just it was it always reminds me of that of that movie and just how that just a very um, negative cynical worldview was you know that movie just reeked of it mm -hmm. and. And life absolutely is is worth living, and I know that um, those who might be listening um, today who are just having a rough rough time of it, um, you're you're not alone. You are definitely not not, not alone. And uh, what was that the thing your husband had said? At mm -hmm. uh, what well, can you can you because I yeah I just I just <laughs> I. I not not to uh, unavoidable pun, but I did freeze for a moment when, when you said that. He's, so he said, the devil waves a gun with no bullets. And he said, he has no victory in this room today. And, and the victory belongs to Christ because Christ has conquered the grave. And I think that was one of the things in that room that we had to decide, you know, I, I mean, I was, I was raised a Christian. I was raised in a, I would say a fundamentalist Baptist home. Mm -hmm. I was homeschooled. <laughs> I was really cut off from society. I was actually raised as an anti-Catholic, believe it or not. And um, it was not, it was not um, a healthy way to be raised, I would say. Um, and I converted to the Catholic church in 2001 after attending a Southern Baptist Bible college in Dallas. And, um, it was, um, oh boy, I'm losing my train of thought. So this is one of the things with grief, like just a little side note here. And I don't know, maybe there's other, um, situations where this arises with different types of mental illness. But one of the problems with grief is that they every year. So for the first year after Maggie died, um, I lost all of my short-term memory. Like I couldn't remember why I walked into a store. I could go in for toothpaste and completely forget. I couldn't have the children in the car alone with me. I would, my husband would either have to call me as soon as I got to a certain location to make sure I got all of them out of the car. Like it was really bad. And I found that each year as time goes on, starting in January, February timeframe each year, I start doing the exact same thing again. And I start like, I'll go to say something and it just completely goes out the window. So, um, and then usually after May, it all slowly comes back and May, you know, May is the month that she died. And so the whole month we've got May 6th when she died, then the next week is the next weekend is mother's day. And that next weekend is her birthday. So pretty much all of May I'm shut down, but anyway, I don't remember what I was going to say, but that's the yeah. situation I'm in right now. Yeah. So we'll just move forward. <laughs> no worries. Um, <laughs> Now, in terms of, and again, not, not moving on, because I know that that was the, the point of the TED, like not moving on, but, you know, moving forward and, and, and having Maggie with you. Mm -hmm. um, was, how, how was your, 
recovery or moving forward compared to your husband's and your children did you was it all on the same time frame or was it a different 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 paces or different paces for every single person and i think that's one of the things that makes grief even more difficult in a family setting um because while you do have each other to support each other and that that helps the especially the parents i think move forward um and not become stagnant where they are um but it's very, very difficult to deal with every person's emotion, uh, like their emotional level and what they're going through. So my now four-year-old was one when Maggie died and she doesn't remember Maggie, but she still has that residual trauma from being there in the hospital room. So she's very scared of doctors, dentists, um, you know, things like that. Um, But it's, it's been, it's been very hard. So like for myself, my grief has been a much, I would say my healing has been a much slower process, I think, than my husband's. Um, my husband was, and I think maybe part of it is the way that men's and women's brains work. So like one of the things that I've talked about before, um, I've been doing a little more research on like, you know, men's brains are, you can compartmentalize things much easier than women can. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that your brain is made. So you can say like, I'm at work, take out the little work box, you're working, you set it aside, take out the grief box, cry, put the grief box back. When While women are not like that at all, like everything's interwoven and tangled all at the same time. So while I'm feeding a baby or cooking dinner or what, I can't take that grief and set it aside. It's all tangled up as part of that. So it's like this whole untangling that has to happen for me. So my husband's grief has been, um, he definitely grieves and it's definitely difficult for him, but it's not, it's, it's just not the same. Um, and that's fine. It doesn't have to be, but I think it's, it is really, you know, I tell, especially married couples, look, it's really important to know the difference just between the brains so that, you know, I could easily get mad at my husband or frustrated with him because he doesn't cry like I do, or he doesn't mm-hmm. talk about her the way that I do or as often, but it's simply because of how our brains are created. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, and so with my children as well, it's been very difficult just because, you know, depending on their age, depending on any guilt issues they might have or struggle they might have, but you know, like my now, my now 10 year old was seven at the time and Maggie was her best friend. They jumped on the trampoline. We homeschooled. So they were home together all day. And, um, you know, the different levels of trauma that take place are very hard to juggle. So, you know, and I want to respect their privacy, obviously, as children, but it's, yeah. it's been very, very difficult for them. And so this idea also of faith, um, like it is, it is my faith that's carried me through, um, like, f- like fundamentally, I think, mm-hmm. but it's very different for children because their brains are not built like ours. They're not as developed yet. And so it's very difficult for them to be like, oh yeah, Jesus raised from the dead. Like that's what happened. And so that's what happened yeah. to Maggie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that. Like, mm-hmm. It just doesn't connect like that when they're little, which it's not supposed to. They're just little kids. So I think that has made it difficult for them to deal with this type of grief because they don't have like those adult reassurances or beliefs or ideas that they can cling to, if that makes sense. Yeah. So one thing I was wondering about now, you are you're a a convert to 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 the church. So are you, so are you familiar with, and this is not a, and just so people know, this is not a mental health author who I'm going to mention, but um, are you familiar with Scott Hahn's books? Yes, I am. Okay. So there's almost, there's almost like a joke to be had about that because (laughs) there, there was a joke in Wayne's world about like every suburban (laughs) kid would get a copy of Frampton Comes Alive or something like that. And it's almost like every church, every Catholic diocese around the world, they could, you know, it's like you get a copy of a Scott Hahn book, Rome Sweet Sweet Home, home, right? (laughs) 
thank you. Yes. So that, that was so, one of the very first books that I read. Yeah. So see, okay. So it's interesting because when I can, when I converted in 2001 apologetics, it's not that it's not a big deal now, but it was a much bigger deal then. And so there's EWTN and there's all these, you know, people talking on there, like all these apologists and theologians. And it was a really huge deal because within Catholicism, we'd not really had anything like that yet where the common lay person would just like, could have find all this information, you know, on the radio. And so that's actually how, like, we actually came into the church through those apologists. So I'm familiar with quite a few of those guys over there. Sure. Um, now, yeah. do I personally know, but they, they <laughs> helped us on our faith journey. Yeah. So they, I can't get them on your podcast. I don't okay. <laughs> Correct. And, and, and I just want to clarify for those listening, uh, he's not a mental health podcast or, or mental health author, doesn't write, write about depression or bipolar or anything like that. He does write about the Catholic faith and, and the church and whatnot. So he's definitely a go-to author for that. So I just want to, I wanted to clarify that. Um, I don't, the context. Yeah. I don't no, want I, I, what you expect, please. Yeah, I, I don't want anyone like emailing me saying, oh, I read Rome to Home. He doesn't talk about depression at all. I'm not saying he does. But I just wanted, wanted to clarify that. <laughs> You might get more Catholics on your podcast. Yeah, you I, I, I may, I may, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and and I and again, I just want to reiterate how how happy I am to have someone on the show speaking about faith and prayer and scripture and church, and I mean, because it is it's not as common as it should be to be talked about, and it's. And again, I mean, I, so often, you know, we fear, we fear offending, like you talked about, or we fear offending other people. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, and for, and on my part, I think there, there is some hesitation for me at times because I'm just like, man, like, I know that the Catholic church has issues. Like, I know that there have been major issues within leadership. I know that there have been things done that have really, truly hurt people but I'm still a Catholic. And so mm -hmm. somehow I have to be honest about those things mm -hmm. that have happened. And I have to, at the same time, be honest with my own faith and what I believe mm -hmm. and why I believe it. And if it's something that is truly carrying me through and truly mm -hmm. giving me hope, then if I can help other people, um, and, and I'm not saying you know, they have to become Catholic, but if I can mm -hmm. help other people to understand mm -hmm. even just a little glimmer of that hope and it gets them through the next 60 seconds, because let's be honest, sometimes we just take it 60 seconds at a mm -hmm. time and that's how we survive life. Yeah. Um, then, then, then that's good. And that's, that's what I want to do. Like I want people to have hope and I want people to know that joy can still be found even in the midst of suffering. Absolutely. And, um, Getting another brain fart. This is uh, this is one of the drawbacks. To, and one of the good things of a podcast also is that you hear it in real time. Well, obviously it won't be real time when you're hearing this. It'll be it'll right. be recorded. But <laughs> we'll hear um, the real conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. W with no editing or um, right. anything. Um, and I just can't remember what I was going to ask you. Um, <laughs> I just. I mean, um, you can't ask me to remember anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, I know what it was. when you're talking about the memory thing. Did you ever hear? Did you ever hear that that eighty? Well, I hate to say eighty songs. That sounds so dated. But the song by the Talking Heads about like once once in a lifetime, where there's this lyric about you you may wake up one day and and say how did I get this night? You may find yourself and it, it, these lyrics are about waking up one day where you don't recognize this house you're in, you don't recognize this, this, you know, you may wake up in a large automobile, you may wake up and say, oh, how, how did I get here? I remember hearing that song when I was, when I was little, didn't think anything of it. And then I hear it again today as an adult. 
and you go, aha, I know, I totally get that song now. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting how that works. Like you hear it as a child, you know, on the one hand, then you grow up and you're just like, oh, that's what that means. But see, I, because I was raised a sheltered homeschooler, yeah. I never heard that song. So I'm yeah. still catching up and I'm 40. So yeah. <laughs> no worries. All good. Um, but yeah, um, but have you encountered a lot of the resistance that I have as far as the, um, and I'm going to, and I'm going to toss in some more Catholic words for those who might be listening who don't have a Catholic That's background. Um, ac- ac- wait, and that just dawned on me. Do you want to do that? Do like a, a you know, quick word association for those who, because I know like, for example, you, uh, I think I've mentioned, and I think you've mentioned also the word um, parish and diocese. And mm-hmm. yes. a, a parish is basically an, an, a Catholic church itself is called a that's parish, correct. right? Yes, that's correct. And de- if you go to the church building, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, it's what they call a parish. Mm-hmm. And the diocese is just the collection of those parishes or churches or church buildings, I should say. And, and the diocese is generally, not always, but generally specific to a metro area. For example, that's all correct. the diocese in like a Denver or Phoenix or wherever, they're all going to be under the diocese yeah. of that umbrella group. Okay. Um, right. So like we're about, I think about 40 minutes north of Dallas and we're uh-huh. under the Dallas diocese. Parishes. Um, so, so the word that I was going to um, ask you about is uh, ec- ecumenical, which uh, in, ecumenical, in Cat- okay. yeah. And in, in Catholic, and I don't think there's a non-Catholic usage of the term that I'm aware of, but uh, basically means like dialogue, right? Dialogue with, you know, yes. I mean, I don't know the, the, actual definition of the word ecumenical but yes i mean it is a dialogue usually yeah and usually in the catholic faith it's usually used as a dialogue between the protestant and catholic faith or non-catholic christians Mm -hmm. and the catholic faith right um so so that said have you encountered a lot of the um uh resistance or ambivalence or indifference that i've encountered when when i've reached out to people for you know the podcast like like i guess for you it would be maybe uh, other other guests or or, uh, or or peers that you've reached out to, have you encountered any of that same level of um, indifference or, or or whatnot? Um, you know, not yet. I will say, I mean, because I I've just begun to relaunch our podcast, I don't mm-hmm. have as much um, experience under my belt as you do. Um, so I am interested in seeing how that works out because my podcast, while we are Catholic, mm-hmm. um, I I'm not only going to have Catholic um, guests on. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not really sure how that's going to work out. I I don't know. It is. It's, it's difficult because there is still a level of anti-Catholicism out there where, um, so like, the, like I said earlier, the way that I was raised um, in regards to Catholicism was like, you know, I was, I was taught that it's like, well, Catholics, they don't worship God, they worship Mary, they worship the saints, um, which is not true at all, but that's what I was taught. There was just a fundamental misunderstanding of what mm-hmm. it is that Catholics actually believed and taught, but it was, a, it was very much, um, you know, Catholics might make it to heaven. Um, if, you know, it's pretty much like if they're lucky, you know, kind of riding in on the coattails of somebody else, you know, and, um, and so I was not raised that Catholicism was actually Christian and the word Christian just means to be a follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, it, it, it is going to be interesting to me to see what happens when I begin to reach out to, um, non-Catholic Christians, um, and just see so far I've not had resistance, but I don't know 
you know, and again, every church is different as well. That's the other thing. So sure. you never really know. Sure. Um, now, another, I guess, quote unquote, Catholic word that was mentioned that I, I, I in fairness to listeners, probably should define um, was the, the word of apologist. And my understanding is that that word basically means giving a reason for or giving an answer for. Is, is, that, is, that, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So these guys and women as well, they just mm-hmm. they study and they research their faith, what they believe, why they believe it. Uh, many of them will be well-versed, not just in scripture, but also mm-hmm. in the writings of what we call the early church fathers or those mm-hmm. men who came directly after Christ mm-hmm. um, and continued the church on after, after Christ left. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they just they just work to help people understand their faith mm-hmm. is, is the way that I put it. Good. And, and I also did want to clarify EWTN, and I, I am familiar with EWTN, and it's EWTN.com. And I believe that's a cable channel also is on. Yes, it is a cable um, channel. I don't have cable, so yeah, I don't watch right. it. But <laughs> yeah, they, and um, they do have um, Catholic radio. True. And, and I did want to clarify for those listening, it is not a mental health oriented. I mean, there are obviously going to be some mental health episodes and guests as, a, as right. you know, as a community, but I just want to, want to clarify that again, yeah. like with Scott Hahn's books, it's not a depression related author. So I <laughs> uh, just wanted to clarify that. If you want to learn more about uh, Catholic faith and get uh, accurate, uh, up-to-date uh, perspective on, on Catholic um, perspective and insight, EWTN and, and Scott Hahn's books are um, definitely would, would get you in the right direction. As far as that goes, um, but um, but on that point though, have you encountered? I mean, and recently in 2021, are you still encountering a lot of anti-Catholic sentiment? I mean, in 2021. No, I feel there is still some out there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it will ever fully go away, but that's just mm-hmm. because we're human. <laughs> um, yeah. But it is definitely different than um, than than what I experienced in the '80s and '90s, mm-hmm. and even the early 2000s. So, like when I became when I became Catholic in 2001, I was attending a Southern Baptist Bible College, and I mean, I and I was let's see, I was. 21 when I converted Mm -hmm. I believe yeah I was 21 when I converted um and I had just graduated but I decided I actually decided to convert while I was still attending Bible college and I remember guys that had never given me the time of day all of a sudden coming like they would have articles printed out and they'd be like this is a huge mistake I'm like I don't even you've never even said hi to me in the hallway I've been here two years you know and it was like they wanted to they didn't want me to become a Catholic I remember one professor telling me oh how did I fail in my class I'm like well this isn't about you this is about me (laughs) it doesn't mean you failed or didn't you know explain your point of view properly it just means I disagree with it now so there was definitely uh, it was definitely different then now Mm -hmm. There may still be schools like that, but you know, just in general, I don't run into people like that every day anymore. Good, good. I think, I think that that's beginning to change. Yeah, I, I hope so because I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't understand why people are anti, you know, you know, in this case, anti-Catholic, anti, you know, even for people who are on medication and against what recovery looks like for someone. Um, it just makes no sense to me why someone would go out of their way to attack someone for what sustains them and what supports them. You know what I mean? It's, it just seems the very opposite of what we should all be striving for. If someone, 
is going to, to church, whether it's Catholic church, whether it's you know evangelical or non-denominational or, or what have you, if someone uh, prays a rosary, if someone goes to, you know, whatever it may be, I, you know, just attacking someone for that, I just think is, is the very opposite of being supportive. Yeah, I'm absolutely convinced that love is the answer. I mean, yeah, if, we don't, if we don't love one another, I mean, and scripture is very, very clear. If it says, if, if, you know, if you do not have love, then you're a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. I mean, now we don't really play gongs and cymbals anymore, right? But <laughs> no, we can no. imagine what that yeah. sounds like. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's just like, wow, that's really annoying. Nobody wants to hear, you know, this loud clanging in their ears. And that's what it is when you talk to people without love. And I think that that's where the, the attacks begin to come from. And especially on, and nowadays, you know, it may not be in person as often anymore, but, you know, we didn't really, I mean was Facebook here in 2001? I don't even remember. Maybe it was. I don't remember when Facebook started, but I mean, we didn't have like all these arguments on Facebook and all this political stuff, like all these things happening. And, and I think sometimes we forget when we're sitting there typing behind the keyboard and I've done this myself. I think we all have at one time or another, we forget that we're talking to another human being. And, and if as a Catholic Christian, I believe that every person has been created in God's own image. So if I really truly believe that, you know, Mother Teresa was very famous for, you know, she always talked about how when she looked at people, I remember someone asked me, he's like, how can you hold someone who's dying from a horrible illness? They smell terrible. Like these, this is awful. They're dying in the street and you're literally cradling them in your arm. She said, mm -hmm. because I see Jesus. And I'm like, wow, that's, I mean, that's so beautiful. Like, what would you do if you saw Jesus laying on the street? I mean, whether you believe he's God or not, he was a good, righteous man who tried to do good in the world. And here he is laying in the street. What would you do? Would you walk over him and step over his body? Or would you bend down and hold him while he died? I mean, I would hope as human beings and as, you know, people who love one another, that we would yeah. stop and hold him while he died. Yeah. And, and I just, I just feel the same way about people. Like if I, if I really truly believe my faith and that my faith is really something life-changing that means something to me and it really is that powerful for me, yes, I want other people to know about it. So I understand the passion behind it, but I don't understand that that the disrespect or yeah, exactly. being hateful, none of that, none of that. So I I will never I will never go back to the Baptist church because of how people treated me. That would never happen yeah. for me. Yeah. And that yeah. would be the number one thing to stop me. I mean, besides what I believe now, but you know, if I was looking at it based on those emotions and feelings, you know, the way that I was treated really does matter. And so I do my best to, to treat others that way as well, because I want them. Yeah, I do want people to have the same hope and joy that I have, but I love them where they are. And, and I think that that's truly what matters. Oh, absolutely. No, there, there was something I, I forgot to ask you off oh. mic before we started to record. So now I, I'm faced with the dilemma. Do I ask you on mic or do I not ask you at all and decisions decisions now remember I told you if I'm not comfortable I know. I'll just I say know. no thanks so um so what it was was um I know that in the listening audience um there uh you know and, and for you at home this this would be for you at home for for you who are just not doing too well, you're, you're probably not gonna get out of bed today because you just don't have the strength to get out of bed today. And that's who this, who I'm talking about today. This is who this would pertain to. Um, for, 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 for you who are in bed right now and snowball's chance that you'll, you'll have the strength to get out 
today. Um, what, what, Jennifer, what would you say to, to that person? Would, if there was, whether it's, you know, um, any, any words or a, any prayers, would, would, would you have any, what would you say to, to that person? Hmm. I definitely don't want to take that question lightly. That's a, that's a really deep question. And, um, it's one that speaks very deeply to me because I've, I've been that person. I am that yeah. person. There's plenty of days still where I'm just like, I can't do anything. I, and that yeah. cloud of depression falls over me. You know, I really want people to know that what they're feeling is not wrong. I think oftentimes in our society, in our world, you know, we're told, oh, yeah, especially, you know, especially within the Christian, realm, it's like, oh, well, you're not good, a good Christian if you're angry with God or if you feel angry. I mean, I had somebody ask me, well, do you know, do you feel guilty for, for being happy sometimes? And I'm just like, feelings are feelings. They are not wrong. There's nothing. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel depressed. It's okay to feel sad. And I've told my kids this multiple times and I'm like, look, what really matters is what we do with those emotions and how we allow them to be worked out in our lives. Uh, So I don't want people who are laying there in bed and can't get out today. I don't want them to feel like they are not worthy or not loved or you know they're bad for feeling the way that they feel they're not a feeling is just a feeling mm-hmm. and it's just how our brains are created i always go back to that like there's science that shows why we have feelings um but i i want those people to know that they are not alone and i know it sounds so cliche and i almost hate to say it because people say cliche things to me all the time yeah. uh, but but you're not alone you are so loved and you're so worthy and you were whether you realize it or not created for a purpose in this world And maybe there is something that you've been wanting to tell God and you just haven't said it. Maybe you're struggling with believing in him. Maybe you don't believe in him. But, you know, I had somebody tell me once, they're like, look, if a friend hurt you within a real friendship, you should be able to look at that friend and say, you really hurt me. I'm really, really angry with you. And I don't know what to do about it. Or I'm just really hurt by you. And I'm really sad, whatever it might be, whatever feeling you're having. And I promise you that if you say that to God, he meets you where you are that's, that's just what happens. Um, we should be able to sit on the edges of our bed or lay in our bed, whatever, wherever we are and say, look, I'm angry and I'm hurt because I have to suffer like this. And I don't understand it. And, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, how this will be taken by everyone listening, but you know, I feel like I have to say it that Christ, you know, Christ extends a suffering hand to us in the Christian faith and in the Catholic faith especially in the Catholic faith, we, every, every time we go to mass, which just means going to like our church service, there is a crucifix up at the front and there's Jesus hanging on that crucifix on that cross and his hands are bleeding and his feet are bleeding and his head is bleeding and his body is beaten. And, you know, that sounds terrible and awful and it it is, but he suffered because we suffer. And if we don't have a God that knows what it means to suffer, then what's the point of that God? It doesn't make any sense. Because we're suffering people. That's what happens to us. We live in this fallen, broken world and we suffer. And so I want people to know that they're not alone and that whether they believe it or not, they can ask Jesus to extend that hand to them and he will. And it's not a hand that is unfamiliar with suffering. It's a hand that deeply, deeply knows it. Very true. Very true. And and as we wind down, this would mean the the last time I mentioned this. And and again, I I just, I, I can't emphasize this enough that... This is. I am so happy that you're 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 here on, on the show today. And how cool is this that on a podcast about mental health issues, 
and in the case grief and and depression and, and related issues that there's a guest on talking about faith and prayer and, and Christ I mean how cool is that well I'm glad you're that, excited about it <laughs> because I can guarantee you there's going to be a, and there's a lot of good podcasts out there a lot of very good uh, depression podcasts a lot very very good podcasts but 99.9 percent of them you're not going to hear a lot of faith talked about. And Look, so, I, I promise you, especially as a Catholic, after, yeah. after my daughter died, I started Googling, looking yeah. at like Catholic support groups, grief yeah. support groups. I need Catholic therapists. I need, like, I, I wanted someone close to my faith who could understand what I was expressing. Yeah. And I could not find it. Like, it's, yeah. it's so very hard to find. It's very difficult to find even, you know, a religious podcast yeah. on grief. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm really thrilled to be able to talk about it and just, yeah, and, and I love being able to share my daughter's life with people. Definitely. She's an amazing kid. And, you know, I believe that she's still, she, she's still working from heaven. I believe that she prays for people. And, you know, that's the other thing. Like, people can ask my daughter to pray for them. Like, how crazy cool is that? Like, they're still, you know, she's in heaven with God and, and she can pray for you. And so, you know, I don't know. I've just seen so many lives change through her life that I'm, I love talking about her. And I love talking about my faith because I've seen what can happen um, I've seen the lives that can be changed and the suffering that people go through and they need to know they're not alone and that hope and joy can be found. It doesn't mean your suffering is going to go away. I don't want people to get me wrong. This sucks really bad. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it that my daughter's dead. You know, I don't like it that I have to suffer like this or that I have to watch my family suffer the way that they do. But again, you know, suffering is a part of life and there's somehow some way I have to bring good out of that suffering and allow it to be I guess a redemptive suffering is what I'm looking for. Something that yeah. matters and makes a difference in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm confident that she she continues to uh, to make a difference. And that's, I, I'm I'm confident so of that. So, um, so I, I did want to mention a, a few more resources for those out there. I know that there is Mental Health America. Their website is mhanational.org. There's also NAMI National Alliance on mental illness, nami.org. Uh, there's also madinamerica.com, madinamerica.com. Um, now, um, Jennifer, how would people contact you if they wanted to learn more about the, the, the work that, that, that you're doing? Yeah, so you they, um, they can go to our website, which is www.joyfullikemaggie.com. So it should be pretty easy to remember. Um, there is a contact form there if anybody wants to reach out to me or to my husband. Um, we do have a podcast. Excuse me. Our podcast has been, um, you know, with grief and suffering, you're kind of off and on over the years. So yeah, yeah. it's really our podcast was initially launched. It's called In the Midst. And it was initially launched by my husband not long after Maggie died, like within a few weeks. Mm -hmm. So it is it's not for everyone. It is very raw. It is very real. Um, and it's really just his reflections on what happened and his reflections on his own faith and his own journey um, as the weeks and months went by. Um, and then after that, just because we had people following us and, and, you know, talking to us and wanting to know what was going on in our lives, we give several different updates throughout that podcast as the, as the months go on. But what I'm doing right now is I'm actually relaunching our podcast. I'm going to be doing a, very similar to what you're doing. Um, but what, what I'm doing is talking to people who are just in the midst of living life and 
know what it means to suffer. Um, it doesn't have to be these massive sufferings that a lot of us go through. It can be something that, you know, might be deemed a little bit smaller, but the point is, is that we all need to find hope and we all need to find joy so that we can persevere in this life. And I, and I'm hoping that that's what our podcast will do. So that should be launched over the next, I'm, I'm hoping the next few weeks, um, I've been interviewing people and getting, you know, them ready, um, all those podcast episodes to be posted. So I'm hoping that we will have that ready to go shortly here. Well, very cool. And it sounds like there's going to be more uh, faith and, and Catholic friendly content than what is ordinarily discussed. Yes. <laughs> on, on this is, is it, yeah, would, that be, would that be a correct statement? Yeah, this is a okay. Catholic podcast. Obviously, I'm very passionate about my faith. So I have a lot of Catholics that I'm interviewing. Cool. I am not going to be sticking with only Catholics, but those uh -huh. are the people right now in my circle that I know. So that's where I've started as I'm branching out. Um, but yeah, we are, we are Catholic. Um, we talk about that a lot. Um, I would like to do an episode on, you know, like, I love that you went over the different terms and things because a lot of times, you know, I've been Catholic for a long time now. And so I'll just say words and expect everybody to know what they yeah, mean. Yeah. It's just not the case. Yeah. So I also really like to do an episode. I think um, now that you and I have been talking on just different words and terms that you will hear throughout our episodes and podcasts, just so that, you know, people are aware of what's going on because not, I would say there's a very large majority who follows who are actually not Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, most are Christian, many are not. So, you know, it's just, we've got a pretty diverse following, I think. Um, so anyway, that's where we are right now with the podcast and it is Catholic. So I'm always very clear about that. Yeah. Up front. <laughs> for people to get disappointed <laughs> yeah cool well it sounds like a good podcast to have on on, on my radar um in weeks and months ahead yes absolutely so, please do cool cool well, well thanks again for for being here today i appreciate it yeah, and absolutely. um thank you those of you at home or on your way home from work or wherever you may be um stay safe everyone and uh talk with you next time uh bye <laughs>